Hey guys, welcome to Rankin Vile, the podcast ranking every horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? I've been getting into um, 70s horror novelty records. Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> so wow. if you recall, there is a cartoon on Saturday mornings in the 70s called The Groovy Ghoulies that the oh, pop yeah. punk band uh, took their name from. Which, I mean, honestly, if you're the pop punk band Groovy Ghoulies, I feel like, imagine their excitement when they realized that nobody, hel- nobody else had legally taken that name for an actual band. Yeah, and they spelled it differently, so they got to dodge uh, copyright with that. Yeah, and so wait, the Groovy Ghoulies were just like a werewolf, a Frankenstein, and a Dracula, and they play like surf rock or something? Yeah, yeah it's like power pop. It's that, like, it's it's basically like the same kind of music that uh, Jabberwocky the Shark Band or like <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats play. Yeah, yeah, power pop. Honestly, I when I, when I think of power pop, I always think of the band Raspberries and here's the thing, if you can if if you're the band Raspberries, at least be a Dracula, a werewolf and a Frankenstein or be nothing. <laughs> it's the least you it's the least you owe. So yeah, this uh, record label Real Gone Music re- uh, re-released this record and what's cuckoo bananas is Nowhere on the jacket, because I'm holding it right now, does it tell you who the actual musicians are? It's like, nope, <laughs> credits, vocals, Dracula. <laughs> Poor guys. You know what? Imagine there's Tambourine, some... Wolfman. <laughs> <laughs> there's some dude at, like, a bar in, like, 1973 trying desperately to pick, like, pick up a date being like, you know, I'm the werewolf bassist for the groovy ghoulies. But he can't prove it, and even if he could, it's like, oh, wow, you were in that children's cartoon, Groovy Ghoulies. Like, that's something, I guess. Actual line on the liner notes. Uh, background vocals, Bob Markland, David Manny, Ed Fournier, Dick Monda, Chris Sierrata, Chris and a host of other ghosts. What the fuck? No, 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 no. You can't you can't get an IMDB credit for the host of ghosts. Like <laughs> have 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 the the decency groovy ghoulies to put the names in the liner notes at least. At least the credit. So here's the thing. This rabbit hole goes further. Other spooky TV shows put out novelty records. Okay, such as such as The Monsters. Oh shit. So wait, they even got a small child who looked like Eddie Munster to play bass for their band. Oh my god. So wait, so they organized a group of people that look like the Munsters to do an album as the Munsters? Yes. And all the songs are Munster themed. I was just about to say, I feel like Peter Steele from Typo Negative is basically Herman Munster in real (laughs) life and required very minimal makeup. Holy shit, this is, see, this is almost, this is apart from sort of novelty spooky records like Screaming Lord Such or like the Monster Match or something. Like this is, it has more of a pop sensibility, it sounds like. Yeah, and I'm really mourning, uh, well, you know, the other thing that really got me thinking about this is the new um, General Mills Monster Serial, their whole campaign this Halloween season which, by mm-hmm. the way, the monster cereal is back. I am eating a box of Frankenberry right now. Oh, I'm about um, to. Is all about the Monster Mash, and they've recorded a new version of the Monster Mash and put it on Spotify. Wait, so what is it? What does it sound like? Are they going for throwback, or are they like this it's isn't throwback. Your... It's not like um, hyper pop. <laughs> this isn't like dubstep monster mash. Like this isn't your dad's monster mash. <laughs> no, it's just classic. Mon- they're like, look, you ghouls, we brought back Yummy Mummy and Fruit Brute. Shut the fuck up. Here's a version of the monster mash on Spotify. Wait a minute, Quincy. Shut the fuck up. They brought back Fruit Brute and Yummy Mummy. Oh no, they made a cereal called Monster Mash, which has just got marshmallows of all of the monsters including fruit brute and Yum. Ah. they don't taste like the legendary fruit brute tastes they just have those shaped marbits in the cereal see this is my thing is they could you know i don't i they could make it taste like anything i don't know what the og fruit brute cereal tasted like um this is honestly, I feel like I was always a blueberry guy as a kid, but that's just because like when I was a kid, for whatever weird kid reason, I was obsessed with blueberries. So a blueberry so you cereal. You were obsessed with Peter Laurie. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh my god, Blueberry is basically Peter Lorre in a morph suit. I, holy, Quincy, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, it's really combining my love of uh, the Casper children's movie in the 90s and Peter Lorre is, is Blueberry. Um, <laughs> see, th- this week, uh, the ghoul shit that I've been up to is that, so, uh, Pseudopod, which is a horror uh, fiction podcast that a lot of our listeners are probably aware of, um, they're doing a Halloween special uh, because did you know that uh, this year uh, on Halloween in the UK, it is a leap year on Halloween. So there is an extra spooky hour that would not otherwise be there. Oh, uh, blessed be. A blessed be, right? So they, you know, they're, they're, they're doing a special broadcast. I've been doing music for it with uh, another fellow that's been working uh, for them, which is really great. But what I've had to do is uh, in my long list of things I've had to do with electronic music, I have now made an early 90s Arsenio Hall-esque saxophone-heavy talk show version of a slow industrial goth rock song <laughs> um, with, like, saxophone and electric guitar. So this is this has been my week. Honestly, I went back... So I was YouTubing old Arsenio Hall episodes. Have you seen the episode of Arsenio Hall where Jason Voorhees is a guest? No. I've seen the Macho Man Randy Savage episode, which is probably my favorite. Oh, it's but perfect. I cannot imagine the way that Arsenio keeps kayfabe, how mm-hmm. he would interact with Jason Voorhees. That's exactly it. Like, he didn't corpse or anything. Like, he genuinely just had a completely silent Jason Voorhees, as played by Kane Hodder, thank God, on the thing. Like, that, the early 90s on TV feels like the Wild West to me when I watch it in 2021. Especially the late night war, it seems like it was a very bizarre period. <laughs> But speaking of Jason Voorhees, let's talk about our movie for this week. Holy hell. So uh, in keeping with our podcast's theme so far of never doing a straight up Friday the 13th movie featuring Jason Voorhees, because we've done Jason Goes to Hell and the the reboot uh, from 2009, um, we are doing Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning. Uh, directed by uh, Danny Steinman. Now, this movie, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm off top. I'm gonna say, it is so much fun. It's, it's a blast. It's so fun to watch. Like it now, and and the thing about it is, um, every time that they made a Friday the Thirteenth movie, you get the distinct impression that after they made the previous one, they burned down the set, everybody changed their names, moved states, but then they saw the box office receipts and went, shit, we got to make a new one, and they would get a completely different team and different writers who didn't watch the previous one to go, yeah, yeah, I basically know what happened last time, and make a new one. Um, And this movie uh, is coming right after the introduction of the character Tommy Jarvis, who shows up in three of these movies, uh, and was played by Corey Feldman in the previous one. And honestly, Corey Feldman, I feel like he's at least a B-plus as as far as child child actors go. Oh, yeah, he's definitely B-plus, A-minus. Yeah, and uh, so at the top of this movie, we get a uh, what we find out is a dream sequence where baby Corey Feldman, who played uh, T. Jarves in in the previous movie, um, he hallucinate or he doesn't hallucinate. He has a dream about uh, seeing Jason Voorhees' grave, and then two yutzes uh, go and decide to dig up Jason. He stabs them and then menaces Tommy Jarvis. Did you know, by the way? that this was filmed when Corey Feldman was filming The Goonies, and he just filmed up some pickup shots for this in his neighbor's backyard in a little rain poncho. <laughs> I, I did know that he was in The Goonies while this was going on, so they're like, Corey, bud, we need you for, like, a day. Come on. <laughs> You're a kid. What do, you, what do you have to do aside from make The Goonies? Um, side note here, fuck The Goonies. I hate that movie. What? I love the I, Goonies. I, I, I disrespect the Goonies. It, maybe, you know what the problem is? I didn't see the Goonies until I was in my, like, late 20s. So, so I think all I, of the magic and wonder had been sucked from your bones. For sure. That's what it is. I do like the video Goonies Are Good Enough by Cindy Lauper because I'm not a monster. But, yeah, I just, I never, I missed, I missed that train entirely. So, um, in this movie, baby Corey Feldman is in a raincoat that is doing nothing. He is sopping wet. <laughs> yeah, if anything, the raincoat is making it worse. Like, it does not wick moisture. It holds the moisture in. Um, and what I love about this also is that Jason Voorhees' grave looks like a Halloween decoration where it's just, like, a headstone with, like, Jason Voorhees, like, scrawled on it in what looks like chalk. Um, 
Is the idea here that they would have dumped Jason's body in a grave and just, like, stuck a styrofoam spirit Halloween grave on top of it? Yes, uh, replete with uh, red glitter. So, yeah, it's this rinky-dink, like, magic-markered piece of styrofoam. (laughs) What I love is that Jason is definitely buried, like, six inches and not feet. Oh, yeah, yeah, this was somebody who was, like, he got buried on a Friday afternoon, is what is this what that is. This is like how is. every time I buy a knife on Amazon, I'm shocked at how small it is. By the way, <laughs> I've been collecting small knives. Okay, like how so small? Like, so, like, there's a, a brand that I don't want to give free publicity to, because knife people can get kind of weird, and I have to research <laughs> Knife people and, can get weird, that is true. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so there's a brand, and they have this knife called The Bug. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I want it. It's like an inch long in total, like with the blade extended. Okay. And, and it's... then I got another one called The Grasshopper, which is like double, but that's still only like two inches. So See, it's just very small. See, this is, I've, I just got a Swiss Army knife as a present, and it, I honestly, I don't know how I ever lived without it before. Like, listen, breaking down boxes, you want to have something on you. Yeah, you always want to have something on you. You want to be the guy at the child's birthday party that can cut <laughs> the twist ties out of the box. With exactly. The like, listen, this is the one time in my life I will ever be rugged, and I need, I need to take advantage of that right now. Um, but yeah, so, so, uh, you know, we, we, we come to in the present and, uh, Tommy Jarvis is, uh, a young man. He's like in his late teens. I don't mind telling you the actor who plays Tommy Jarvis in, uh, part five, he's a snack. Yeah, he is pretty hot. A lot of the actors in this movie are very attractive, mainly because this franchise likes to cast, uh, grown ass adults as children. Which is great for part five, because it turns out uh, I was doing um, a bit of uh, research about this movie. The director of this film, Danny Steinman, um, apparently directed two other things before this. One of them was a movie uh, that was like an exploitation movie. And then he did a porno in the 1970s. So he's literally just a porno director that, for some crazy 1980s reason, uh, got to direct this. And according to half of the cast and crew, which, by the way, I've been doing a deep dive on this guy because I'm fascinated. Half the cast and crew is like, oh, he was a perfect gentleman, perfect professional, great guy. And the other half of the, of the crew was like, he was a cocaine monster, and he sexually harassed half the crew and was just, like, coked off of his ass for most of the shoot. And, like, the DP had to shoot a lot of this stuff. Um, so this director is going to find attractive people for this motion picture. Yeah, um, and what's really fascinating is if you watch his um, interview on the making of Featurette uh, from, I can't remember which version of this DVD it is. I think it's the pre-box set DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the it's the one I found at Big Lots for $3. But if, <laughs> anyway, yes. if you get the Big Lots version... He really lamented <laughs> the big that the NBAA ruined his, like, auteur moment of this couple having sex in the woods. He's like, they made me add that pervert so we'd cut away and show him getting murdered. But other than that, it was a very sweet love scene. And everyone else is like, dude, that's a pornography. It's, it's porn. It's porn. Yeah, it's, it is straight up porn. I, apparently there's, like, a cut of this movie that's just, like, the room levels of, please, can we cut away from this sex scene? <laughs> um, but, and, and so this this movie is centered around a uh, a place that, the name of which I knew off the top of my head because it's a playable level in Friday the 13th, the game, and I've clocked hundreds of hours on that fucking thing, uh, Pinehurst, uh, which is a sort of halfway house for troubled teens, Um and so Tommy Jarvis, who, like, watched his family get butchered by Jason at the end of the last one, he is psychologically having a rough time. And so he, uh, you know, orphaned and and haunted is, you know, sort of he goes to this place. The orderly. Now, let's talk about this fucking guy, because he is the MVP of the movie for me. Um, the orderly who brings Jason or not Jason, who brings Tommy Jarvis to Pinehurst is a mustachioed, balding Lothario. <laughs> he is so much and he's like hey come on get out of the car and uh you know tommy doesn't move he's like all right don't get out what the fuck do i care and he's just like 
<laughs> this guy's vibe is your mom's dirtbag boyfriend after she divorces your dad. So, if that's not enough, we cut to the camp counselors here at Pinehurst, and they're like, did, did you notice all of the very 1980s things in that office that just shout, this is a... Uh, this is supposed to be a psychiatric facility in the 80s. It's like there's a free-to-be you and me. There's like one of those little rubber like old man toys. There's mm-hmm. like a family torn apart by addiction poster and all this stuff. Yeah, there's there's like a, a and, and yes, all of that. And to let you know that, you know, this is like a cool rehabilitation center. They've got a rainbow flag on a corkboard and they've got a picture of John Lennon, which... All right, expressing a clear preference for the Beatles at your rehabilitation center, I guess. We're um, not your dad's rehabilitation <laughs> center. We're not going to rehabilitate your dad. We're going to rehabilitate troubled teens. Um, and they're basically like, "Listen, Tommy, we're not, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna be heavies who come down on you about not suplexing the other kids here through tables. Uh, we are, you know, we're we're here to help you. We're like a bunch of cool guys." And so, you know, Tommy's kind of moving in, and he gets spooked by uh, another MVP of this movie, uh, Reggie the Reckless, who... Oh, Reckless Reggie rules so hard. I, I love Reckless. Uh, he is, I would say, he's, uh, speaking of movie Moppets with uh, Corey Feldman, this kid just radiates fucking charisma. Oh, it's so great. He His first appearance is he is... Scaring uh, T. Jarv with a rubber spider, and he's like, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! You're afraid of rubber spiders? On yes, string." <laughs> and he's, he says, "You are one scared cat." And then uh, Tommy turns around and then puts on one of his monster masks that he has brought like four of in his duffel bag to this it's thing. All and- that's in his duffel bag is that knife and the like 20 <laughs> monster masks. In fairness to T-Jarv, anytime I go on a trip, I'm always like, I'm going to bring my toothbrush and a change of underwear and I'm basically okay. Um, so these are, these. listen, these are load-bearing spook masks. He's got to have <laughs> these. Uh, which is, this is one of the threads from the previous movie with Tommy Jarvis's character that didn't really amount, okay, it amounted to a little bit because at the end of part four, Quincy, so you know how this movie is dumber than, uh, you know how this franchise is dumber than shit? Yeah, yeah. Um, at the end of part four, uh, Tommy Jarvis decides to shave his head, do some makeup, and make himself look like Jason Voorhees when he was a child who drowned to distract Jason Voorhees before he gets got. And so Tommy Jarvis is sort of um, a horror makeup aficionado from the last movie, which, sure... Uh, and so he's taken all of those masks. I guess these are like his emotional support masks that he needs with him as a uh, as a young man. Um, Listen, it, Ryan, the mask stays on. <laughs> <laughs> the mask stays on. They, which by the way, they never go back to these masks in this no. movie, except for the bully who like steals the the like fuckwad who steals the mask out of his bag, and then Jar- uh, Jarvis like suplexes him through a table which i love this because he like scares tommy with one of his own masks and then he's just like what's the matter can't take a joke here's the thing if you're in a 1980s movie and you announce what's the matter can't take a joke you deserve whatever is about to happen to you (laughs) like that is hubris and uh tommy jarvis just like gives him an actual john cena ass attitude adjustment (laughs) through it like a huge fireman's carry slam through a table in the kitchen which is just beautiful um but we also have this couple who they are the teen fuck couple who is either constantly having sex or trying to have sex yes just just radiating 80s horniness also the amount of kills in this movie i i want to say if memory serves this is one of the highest kill counts in a Friday the 13th movie. And yes, and here's the thing. Uh, This movie is Friday the 13th hyper-concentrate, where it's got so many kills and so much nudity. Um, It is is a nudity platter. Like, we've got, like, people being naked in this that have no business even being naked. Like, you'll just have a character going to bed and just getting topless on screen, and it's like, thanks, Danny Steinman. Um, It's just, it's, it's a lot. And also... Um, 
Now, so the thing is, the couple that is uh, fucking, they, they sneak onto their neighbor's lawn to fuck? Yeah, they, they, they sneak uh, <laughs> And the sheriff shows up and catches them, quote, screwing each other's heads off. <laughs> How do you screw a head off? You can't both simultaneously face fuck each other. I'm sorry. This is some fanfic, like, uh, sex scene stuff where you're like, wait a minute. Bodies don't work like that. Um, so they get brought back to Pinehurst, and then, uh-oh, uh, old lady Ethel shows up. Oh, let's talk about Ethel. Um, also the star of this movie. I Is it clear that I love this movie yet when I'm just like, here's the star of the movie, Ethel the mean old lady? Oh, um, the way that her her idiot son is always like, tell him, mom. And she's like, shut the <laughs> fuck up. Literal yeah. line in the movie. Will you shut the fuck up? She says. Her large adult fail son who is wearing like uh, a Red Baron style uh, bomber hat. And he rides around on a motorcycle and he just repeats whatever his scary mom says. Um, side note, the actor who plays Ethel, did you know that her wig in this movie was given to her by Burt Reynolds when she played a sex worker in a movie that Burt Reynolds made and apparently they were bros, so he gave her this wig. So this was literally her wig. (laughs) Um, and she, you know, tells, so she, she goes over to the property to be like, I hate this nut farm and all of you fuckers and I'll, I, I have a bomb on me and I'll blow you all sky high if you come near me. Um, but now... I will also say, this movie, and not that it's a bad thing about this movie, this is a very Reagan-y movie when it comes to mental illness. Oh, yeah. It's it's uh, mentally ill people can just fuck right on off. Yeah, everybody in this movie is like, God, all those crazy people at that nut farm. I wish somebody would kill them. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> Reagan? Like, it's, what, they just, what, you want to just close the facility down and then all these people have no place to go and you fuck them over? Like... Everybody in this movie that talks about this place, they talk about it like it's Botany Bay or something. And it's like, it's a halfway house for teens, you fucking maniacs. What are we doing? <laughs> Although, um, the the scene with, um, oh, what is his name? The the guy that gets murked. Um, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> when he gets chocolate on those sheets, I'm like, he he deserves it. Oh, oh, chocolate guy. Uh, that is Joey. Joey. Uh, the Joey, the the guy who. All right, let's fucking talk about this guy. So, uh, what what happens to Joey in this movie? Uh, Joey gets axed to death, <laughs> not it's... by a immortal serial killer. Yeah, he he gets he gets a god. So he uh, he in a bit of very heavy foreshadowing uh, is like going around. He is just eating this candy bar in the most upsetting possible way. Like he is snout fucking a Mister Good bar <laughs> throughout this scene. And you know he goes up to a couple of the girls and he's like, "Hey, can I help you fold laundry?" And then he gets his fucking chocolate fingers all over it. And they're like, "What the fuck, Joey?" <laughs> So also, Joey, this, this is, also this is where we meet Violet Moraine, who's my absolute yes. favorite. <laughs> Man, all right, all right t- t- tell me Violet Moraine's deal. Okay, she's the patron saint of Mulgoths and the hard of hearing <laughs> because she's constantly wearing a Walkman and taking her headphones off and saying, "Huh." What? It's, a, it's amazing. Her hairstyle looks. She was ahead of her time. It looks like early two thousands MySpace scene girl. With yeah, the lights, it's black on the bottom tips and then blonde on top. Yeah, it rules. She's she she's fucking great. And she, you know, they're folding laundry and Joey ruins everything. So they tell him to fuck off. And he decides that at this juncture, it would be a really cool idea to go and bother um, this other kid there who is, I want to say, 30 years old and yoked <laughs> for the gods. <laughs> Like, he's just this Henry Rollins-looking motherfucker. <laughs> and he is, you know, chopping wood with his double-sided axe, and he's just really going to town. I think this it's the only scene this actor is in, so God bless him for being like, so I just need to show up and chop a fuck-ton of wood? All right, that's an easy paycheck. Um, and he does it, and Joey reveals, hey, you know, I'm an orphan, looks at the camera. 
And since coming to Pinehurst, it's great because I can help people and I have friends. And he tries helping uh, Henry Rollins chop the wood. And Henry Rollins several times sort of, you know that growl that a dog does when they're eating food and somebody comes near them? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He basically is just sort of like, fucking back off, kid. And Joey decides to like, here, have some of my candy bar and puts it down on the log that he is chopping so obviously, and, and Henry cuts it in half with the axe. <laughs> Fuck your Mr. Goodbar, kid. So he does that, and Joey gets salty, and he's like, well, fine, just forget it, but I think you're really out of line. And he starts walking away, and it's a, a, a way, and it's at this juncture that Henry Rollins decides to turn him into a kielbasa with that axe. Yeah, and he just murders the fuck out of him. To the point where the next scene, where the paramedics lift the body, he's got his leg just, like, laid on top of his back because it's been severed from his torso. (laughs) Yeah, he just kind of deconstructs Joey. It is, it's a lot. Um, I'll also say, I feel that the deaths in this movie are very feast or famine for me. Where... Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, half of the deaths look like a million bucks, and you're like, whoa! And the other half are like, okay, they got their throat slit off screen, and then you see them after the fact with a bad-looking throat cut effect, and it's like, all right, I guess. Or or probably my least favorite kill is the leather belt squeezing your head kill. <laughs> oh, see, I was gonna say, that's my favorite death in the movie. Really? So, so okay, let, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> the kills in this movie are... A road flare in the mouth that mm-hmm. lights up the guy's head like a jack-o'-lantern. Which is pretty dope. Um, knife in the belly. Cleaver to the head. Cleaver to the head. You're, you're right in the mill stuff. And then this one guy is in the woods and he gets strapped to a tree with a leather belt. And the killer, uh, which we'll talk about in a moment... uses a log to twist the belt so that it squeezes into his head and like pops his eyeballs out yeah which i thought was now i thought this was a pretty dope kill but i think that's maybe just because i was like oh great it's somebody not dying because they like caught a cleaver to the face yeah yeah because um the he's one of the horny teens and the other um hornet uh, gets killed in in just a standard axe into the gut kind of way. Yeah, no, no. See, see she actually she has uh, uh, an iconic uh, death in this movie, which is that she catches a pair of hedge clippers. Oh, you're right. She does. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to think of. Hey, what's that one death from Friday Part Five where someone gets murked with a cleaver? Because that's like most of the deaths. Uh, she so the two uh, fuck teens sneak off to the woods to bone down. Uh, he goes off to pee and apparently throw rocks into a pond, which is important to do after taking a piss and fucking. Um, and she's just lying there on the blanket and she gets stabbed in the eyes with a hedge clipper and then they like snip it closed. So it's just it sort of creates a big trench from eye to eye. You know, the eye trench. The old eye trench. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty great. I This is apparently for a lot of people was a formative on-screen death that, like, when they were kids watching this and they were like, oh, weird, I'm having boner feelings because there's a naked lady on screen. Oh, Jesus, she's gotten horribly murdered. And just that weird whiplash that a lot of people watching horror movies have when they're kids. Um, and it's... So he he gets, yeah, lashed to a tree via his skull and his skull gets popped. Um, I feel like they could have... Here's the thing. They could have gone bigger with his death scene. Oh, Yeah. For sure, because it's just like he gets a little moist and that's it. Yeah, just like I, I want to see like a vein popping or a head like exploding like a watermelon. Um, now, when Joey uh, gets murdered by Henry Rollins with an axe, uh, we get two paramedics on the scene, one of whom is like a huge shit bird. Yeah, he's like, you you amateurs. <laughs> oh, a kid got murdered horribly with an axe, pussies. And he's just like, <laughs> being a total asshole. And then you get this guy, Roy. And that's a line from the movie. That's not us doing like a riff. He actually calls these mourning children pussies. <laughs> you know what? I understand now why boomers are like, listen, if you want a job, it doesn't matter who you are. You just walk down to that local hospital and say, hey, mister, I was loitering outside the 7-Eleven and spitting at people as they walked by. But I decided I wanted to be a paramedic. And you just go in there and they'll give you a job. Like, how the 
fuck did this guy get hired to scoop up people's remains from a crime scene? Anyway, uh, so he sucks, but we get uh, Roy, who, uh, when he sees Joey's body, we get the biggest musical sting in the world as he stares into the middle distance with a haunted expression, as if to say, I wonder who the killer of this movie will be. (laughs) Certainly not this man. No. Now, I will also say, a thing that drives me fucking nuts about this movie is that, folks, by this point, we are five movies into this franchise, and yet we are still doing the fucking killer POV, Jalo, like, first person, who is the killer, until the very end of the third act shit. Get out of here with that. It's a Friday (laughs) the 13th movie. Like... I know who the, I know it's a big asshole in a hockey mask. Why why are we playing coy? Who are we doing this for? I really love that in the making of featurette as well, the guy who plays Roy is talking about how the stuntman that plays Jason in this movie, whose name I escapes me because he's not Kane Hodder. Not Kane Hodder, right? Yeah, not Kane Hodder is Roy is like praising not Kane Hodder for like mimicking his like every movement to to leave these little clues throughout the movement that he's actually Roy the paramedic and not really Jason. And then they cut to the the stuntman he's like, "No, I just acted like Jason in the Jason scenes cuz I was in the Jason <laughs> makeup." So, of course, I played the whole movie like I was Jason. You fool. Just take credit and be like, "Yes, <laughs> I studied the character of Roy Burns very much to replicate his body." You know what? Like the cast of these movies put so much more thought into these stupid stupid movies than the filmmakers have ever done. Well, to their credit, a lot of them have spent the last 30 years thinking about these movies and talking right. about them at conventions. So that's a great point. I mean, that's exactly the thing is like if you were in a middle tier horror movie back in the day, buddy, you can be eating at decent fast casual restaurants the rest of your life if you land in the right one. Yeah, for sure. Um, And especially if you're willing to, you know, dye your hair purple and yell what a date for the rest of your life or like (laughs) gawk like a slack jawed yokel, like the one scene where they made a mask of your face to do that. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to be the guy yelling, you're so cool, Brewster, for the 3000th time into a microphone while you die inside. But, you know, you'll be able to pay off the mortgage. So nothing, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, buy yourself a new refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) Which Ashley Lawrence definitely did Hellraiser Part 5 in order to do. Um, canonically. Now, we also get these characters who I'm obsessed with and do not need to be in this movie, but I'm very glad they are. We get two greasers who, I'm going to put this out there, I think they're boyfriends? You know, I didn't think about that, but now that you mention it, yes. So we're introduced to these two characters who uh, do not need to be in this movie, but I'm so glad they are. They are greasers, and I want to say boyfriends? Yeah, boyfriends. Um, And they are trying to get this car running. These characters have nothing to do with anything in the movie proper at all. No, just warm bodies. There's a couple of kills in this that have, like, no motive. It's just wanton destruction. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, they're trying to get the car started. One of them walks off to, to go pee. There's a lot of walking off to go pee in this movie. Like, it's, you know, it's the leading cause of death in Pinehurst is disappearing to go pee. Um, you're really going to want to bring a friend with you if you're going to do that here. Um, one of them dies off screen. So they uh, and one of them sings a little song to himself in the car where he's like, ratatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatat
Um, <laughs> this is, man, it's it's pretty great. We are also introduced to, so Ethel and her terrible fail son. Uh, we get a drifter who comes to hang out who doesn't really come to much. Um, he looks like Bill Compton from True Blood when you get the Civil War flashbacks. Oh, yeah. He's he's just in this movie to watch kids have sex in the woods and then immediately die. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, were they trying to pull a red herring with this dude where it's like, maybe he is the killer before he catches a machete to the gut? Maybe, but he dies so quickly, it's really hard to think of him as a viable killer in this movie. Yeah, he aspires to be a red herring. Um, now, we get, uh, so Mustache Orderly goes to pick up his girlfriend at the diner. Um, and this is just fantastic because he shows up uh, in his finest Friday night, uh, like, Eddie Murphy raw jacket <laughs> uh, with his mustache and his bald spot. And he, this movie, like, it briefly becomes like, they, they're like Rob Zombie hellbilly characters with each other. It's incredible. Yeah, he's like, I want my girlfriend with nothing on her and a side of side of six yeah and she's like teehee i'm gonna go inside so he sits outside and does some cocaine and i i want to say i think this is the only instance of cocaine use in the friday the 13th series really because the whole series just smacks of cocaine i mean that's what it is is like that's how you go like wiping your nose okay so you remember that kid that died uh, in the lake fuck it he's a huge man now and he's got a sack on his head and he's killing people like it's so much of this movie only makes sense uh, as a cocaine decision uh and so he's doing uh coke in the parking lot while uh, his girlfriend does something truly magnificent. Quincy, can you describe to me the move she does in this bathroom? She, um, are, are we thinking about my favorite jump scare where she is accosted by a cat in a commercial diner? <laughs> oh no, but that is great. Like, ah, it's those diner cats you gotta watch out for. <laughs> like, it's a straight up fucking cat scare. Um, in the bathroom, she does a thing that all young ladies do before a date, which is that she takes off she she opens her shirt in the mirror at herself while yelling it's showtime ah yes excellent stuff the, it's the the cocaine is dripping off of this motion picture oh yeah so much coke and literally <laughs> this girl goes outside her boyfriend's been murdered and she can't find him and says ooh cocaine <laughs> and does a line of cocaine and then gets murdered herself she also keeps it out to herself like wow i'm so hot which is just amazing like she actually this couple very spiritually close to the fuck couple in friday the 13th uh reboot from 2009 where the guy announces stuff during sex like, ah, oh, you got perfect nipple placement, baby. And your, t your tits are so juicy, dude. Um, and yeah, yeah. So they both die unremarkably uh, and, and rip in peace because they, they are ridiculous. I love that this movie in particular combines drugs and sex. So it's like, look. They really deserve to be killed in our, our Reagan America mor morality. Yeah, and actually, that's the thing, is, like, this is one of the only movies that, for me, like, fulfills the promise of what this cheese-ass franchise is supposed to do, is, like, cram as much blood and tits and drugs and just, like, cursing into this thing as possible. Um, it's, yeah, this movie is exactly the thing it is. Um, we are... Uh, then introduced to Reggie, Reggie the Reckless's older brother, played by, by God, Miguel Nunez Jr., um, with his jerry curl and his leather pants. He is just the fucking greatest. His character's name is Demon. <laughs> <laughs> so we got Reckless and Demon. Uh, and he... And not even, like, like Damon, but we're gonna... Or Damien, like, because <laughs> our mom was clever. It's just, no, I'm Demon. It's, and it's like, shut up, Carl. Like, this is... Hey, uh, sorry, guys, can everybody start referring to me as Demon? Like, this is... you. This is a name you choose for yourself. No one's like, wow, you're a real Demon, and it sticks or whatever. Like, you, you decided that you were Demon now. Yeah, so Miguel Nunez Jr. is like, reckless, my little bro... Look at this girl I'm having sex with. <laughs> He's like, Whoa. In my van. In my van where I live. Like, he is... He, he's living out of that van, right? 
Yo, he's definitely living out of that van. Which makes the next part even more uh, puzzling. He says, and reckless, little brother, would you like an enchilada? <laughs> Listen, that's... Actually, this is the height of uh, independence and freedom to me when I'm 14. It's like, oh man, someday when I get out of this shit heap, I'm gonna live in my own van and eat enchiladas whenever I want and grow a jerry <laughs> curl. Like, Demon is living his best life in this van. Um, but alas, the enchilada giveth and the enchilada taketh away. Uh, it's really Chekhov's enchilada because <laughs> it's solely there so he can yell, damn enchiladas, and have explosive diarrhea. <sighs> it's just outstanding. So uh, they're in this trailer park, uh, and he runs uh, with a funny little run to this shit house um, and releases the most orgasmic I'm taking a shit sound while the camera slowly zooms out from his face. Uh, in this in this outhouse, and in I think the most incredible scene in any movie, his girlfriend starts shaking the outhouse from outside, and he yells at her that he's gonna get her, and then they start serenading each other while he's taking an enchilada shit. <laughs> Just you know, like couples do. It's like a scene written by aliens who have like a basic understanding of what people do. Like, okay, so people uh, eat enchiladas and take shits and sing to each other. Probably, I don't know. Just put it on. It's fine. It's fine. This is the this is the film that Elon Musk's robot would write. <laughs> yeah, completely. Like it's it was like written via eighties algorithm. What it is is that they fed him they fed him a typewriter cocaine and asked it to produce a screenplay and it was this. <laughs> um so yeah, so they both they both get got and also have nothing to do with this rehabilitation center that killed the uh, that killed Joey the chocolate boy at the top of this movie. It's just an excuse to get T-Jar the adult the one responsible adult and reckless in peril because yeah. then now they're being chased by Jason. Yeah, there's there's no fucking reason for it. But we are also introduced to uh, Violet doing the robot, which is amazing. It's it's truly amazing. It's the best. And what is the song she's listening to? Oh, I'll tell you. It's on my Halloween playlist on Spotify. Uh, the song is "His Eyes" by uh, Pseudo Echo. Uh, which is just the most 80s sounding synth. Like, you think, what what does 80s synth sound like? And it's this. Um, and she's dancing to it for just alone in her room. And I love that this is, you know, she's in a real big rehabilitation center for teens. And it's like, all right, so everybody else is either fucking or doing drugs or giving somebody the attitude adjustment through a table or whatever. And she's like, I'm just going to vibe and do the robot to goth new wave. Why not? Why not indeed? Yeah, and she, you know, so she just gets killed in the middle of doing the robot, which is, everybody that dies in this movie, it is both wonderful, because I'm like, fuck yeah, we're, uh, apparently he was, um, Danny Simon was informed that there needed to be a death every seven minutes in this movie. So he's like, by God, every seven minutes in this movie. Yeah, he did it. He snorted a fat rail of white lightning in the bathroom stall and was like, let's fucking do it. Um, so she gets she gets killed, which is a tragedy. Um, and then we get to the third act of this movie, which or the, the final bit of this movie, which is almost note for note, a ripoff of the barn showdown in Friday the 13th, part three. Yeah, it's just um reckless and the female counselor that I cannot remember her name for the life of me. Yeah. And T Jarv just running around a barn. Yeah, just yeah, they're playing a game of grab ass in the barn with uh what who they think is Jason. I will say I love that um the camp counselor lady gets to fight back with a fucking chainsaw in this barn. Oh yeah, it rules. Yeah and she you know takes a chunk out of him. Uh and Because she's not your dad's <laughs> rehabilitation counselor <laughs> i'm a cool guy who uses a chainsaw um and they eventually uh T tommy jarvis is in full effect and they knock the the assailant out of the thing and he lands on like a bugs bunny style spike pit that they're keeping yeah it's like a weird uh i, I guess it's a hay thing i don't know <laughs> it's 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 
It's a fucking first blood style punch. <laughs> it's it's a it's a listen. It's a it's a pit of farm spikes that they need to have on hand for this. But so uh, he he gets got and falls through the thing, and then it's revealed that oh no, it wasn't it weren't Jason Voorhees what did all the killing. It's Roy Burns, uh, the the father of Joey, who you find out that. Uh, it was his son that got killed by Henry Rollins uh, because he has a photo of Joey in his wallet. You know, that thing that everyone does. They pick Jason's wallet out of his jumpsuit and they check all the photos. <laughs> yeah, I do appreciate, by the way, that Roy Burns had the foresight to create, to bamboozle everybody into thinking that he is Jason Voorhees by not only finding a hockey mask with blue chevrons instead of red chevrons, uh, he fashioned, like, a flesh head cast around himself to make him look like a bald Jason? Yeah, yeah, because it shows it's, like, ripped open and his hair is, like, sprouting out of it. You couldn't have just shaved your fucking head, Roy? Like, <laughs> you had to construct this thing. It's it's just a lot. It's a lot. Uh, Listen, you gotta have plausible deniability <laughs> in case... <laughs> Well, could, the law comes a knocking. Couldn't have been Roy. Look at that sumptuous head of hair. They would say, like, <laughs> yeah. So he uh, yeah, tragically impaled on eight thousand spikes, and you know they all end up at the hospital. And what were meant the 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 real new beginning in this movie was meant to be after they made this movie that uh, T. Jarv has had his brain broken and is now basically the new Jason. Okay, like. At the, at the very end of this thing, you know, he Tommy Jarvis is in a hospital bed and camp counselor lady is like, hey, whoa, that was a crazy adventure we went on, right? And he pulls out a machete and stabs her in the gut. And then he wakes up from that dream, which, by the way, is you can't have that many dream sequences in a, in a Friday the 13th movie, I feel. No, it's too many. It's too many. Um, but, you know, so he has hallucinated that, like, oh, no, what if I'm a killer now? And then IRL, we think... She walks into his room, the window is broken out, and she's like, oh no, he must have escaped. And then behind her, he is wearing the hockey mask, and he has a knife, and it zooms in on his eye. And we're led to believe that, like, oh, you know, just he can't seem to break the cycle of being a masked murder machine. It's just really sad. And that's the movie. Where do you want to put this on our list? Now, that's a great question. Um, I, I will also say I love the fact that... Um, Friday the 13th Part 6, apparently the plan was for uh, T. Jarv to become the new Jason, but apparently uh, fan... Now, this movie was a box office success, which is incredible to me, because when everybody talks about it, they're like, oh, geez, it was a complete bomb because they didn't have Jason in the mix, and that's why it failed. It did great at the box office. (laughs) Um, People turned out in fucking droves to see it, uh, but fan uh, demand for Jason was so strong that they did the thing that Halloween 4 did with uh, the return of Michael Myers, where, where it was Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, to like tell fans, like, hey guys, he's... Hey guys, sorry about that. <laughs> we, we tried something different, and uh, we, we hear what you have to say. <laughs> we, we bet heavy on, uh, on Roy as the killer of the franchise, and we, we, we bet wrong, so we, we want to apologize. Um, so yeah, so looking at the list, I now the thing is, I will also say, unironically, I have seen this movie probably two dozen times. I this movie is a lot of fucking fun. It is. It's a hoot. It's probably one of my favorite besides the original Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, and even the original Friday the Thirteenth, I'm not a big fan of. Like, I feel like for me, it's like this movie, Jason X, and then everything else is kind of a toss up for me. Um. I always want to like Jason Takes Manhattan more than I actually do, because Mm -hmm. most of that movie takes place on a fucking boat. It's Friday the 13th Part 8 shitboat, is what it is. Like, they should have... I don't... It's it's the most bizarre thing. And also, all of the kills in that suck. Like, although, I will also say, in terms of bangers, the intro song to Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, this series has some bangers. I, 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 I will I will give it that. I hate this series. I've seen all of them a million times. It, it has some bops. Um, looking at the list, Quincy, at number 147, uh, speaking of 1980s cocaine hallucinations, we have Gremlins 2, the new batch. <laughs> uh, which, which movie do we think we want to give the edge to? Gremlins 2, the new batch, or Friday the 13th, Part 5, uh, A New Beginning? Oh, man. It's like... 
both of them were fueled by so much uh, cocaine. It's it's unreal. But I have to say, I got to give the edge to Grim Ones too. I think so too. I think that's I think that's completely fair. Um, at number one fifty one, uh, we have um, Deep Creature Feature Classic Deep Blue Sea. Um, both of these movies are deeply stupid and deeply fun, which I think is actually. Uh, on this part of the list, from, like, number 133 with the Mutilator down, you know, it's like, maybe, like, Zyrum, this is the dumb but fun section of the list, I feel. Oh, definitely. For sure. Um, but I have to say, uh, Friday the 13th Part 5 is probably more fun than even, I can't believe it, Deep Blue Sea. Mm-hmm. I, I am shocked that I'm saying this, but... It really crystallizes a genre of really ridiculous slasher movie. Completely, actually. Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think Deep Blue Sea, my problem is anytime that a giant shark or LL Cool J is not on my screen, I'm kind of looking at my watch, where with this movie, thrills and chills. It's just the most ridiculous, bombastic 80s slasher shit imaginable. So I want to give the edge there. Now, actually, right above Deep Blue Sea at number 149, uh, we have Stage Fright from 1987, um, which I kind of want to give the edge to stage fright. Oh, me too, because it does the exact same thing as uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Five, but um, with skill and and um, <laughs> not by a porno director. Yeah, it's like if somebody were steering this fucking thing is is stage fright, <laughs> like somebody who maybe got up on time, had a cup of coffee and a shower, and then made a motion picture. Um, now, right below uh, that, at number 150, we have the Black Mirror episode, season three, episode two, Playtest, um, which is the sort of like virtual reality, like what if you could hallucinate horror stuff. I want to give the edge to Friday Five, I think. Oh, definitely. I think that's a safe bet. So I think that that puts it uh, right below Fright, not, uh, Stage Fright and right above that one episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. All right. I feel I feel pretty good about that. And I'm coming in at our new number 150 out of, uh, I cannot stress this enough, 531 movies. Oh, no. We have done on this podcast so far. So uh, at number 531, we still have uh, 666 parentheses, Beware the End is at Hand, which is a Nollywood podcast. Uh, movie if you want if this movie was written i don't think so um so yeah i feel pretty good about that quincy where can our listeners find us on the internet our listeners can start by checking out our podcast network website faustiannonsense.com there they can find links to our episode feed as well as our patreon and they can check out our discord server oh yeah uh, we've got a patreon we are just about everywhere you want to find us um, we, yeah, please reach out if, uh, you, if you have a request that you want us to do. Um, and honestly, at this point, I almost wonder if, are we opening up our Friday the 13th embargo to do these movies? Like, I, I think we, we have to at this point. <laughs> yeah, maybe. For- no, no, we need to wait another 300 movies before we do the next one. <laughs> Here's what it is. We will wait to do the next one and then it'll be one of the worst ones, like part seven, the new blood. Like it's, <laughs> we will never do the original or any of the good ones. Uh, but yeah, guys, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Um, that is that is about all I've got. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks.